0: Playing over 30 years of dance and electronic music. Covering every side of the dance Dance music spectrum. This is Timeless Radio from Tunnel Club.
1: Welcome to Timeless, your monthly excursion across the dance and electronic music spectrum with ourselves, Tunnel Club. This month's show is a rave special dedicated to breakbeats, pianos, air horns, and hoovers, celebrating the glory years of the early 90s, but spicing things up with some modern interpretations of the sound. We've got tracks from AGT, Rave Crew, Isotonic, and Bizarre Inc, alongside many more classics. And to top it off, we've got an exclusive interview with Ian Bland from Rave Legends Dream Frequency as he prepares for the digital release of his new album Thirty the original ravers sit back and get ready for two hours of the best tunes from across the years this is timeless
2: KICKING THINGS OFF THIS MONTH HERE ON TIMELESS WELCOME ALONG, WE ARE TUNNEL CLUB, MY NAME'S GRAHAM AND I'M STEVE OH, IT'S A RAVE SPECIAL AGAIN STEVE, IT'S ABOUT 18 MONTHS SINCE WE DID ONE OF THESE I AM PROPER EXCITED FOR THE MUSIC WE'VE
1: GOT THIS MONTH IT'S A REALLY GOOD MIX OF THE OLD AND THE NEW AND uh, ON THAT TIP, G, THIS IS A NEW TUNE
2: Yeah, just from last year, actually, on Subcode Records, the track's called Let's Rave Together. With a title like that, Steve, it could only be the show opener, couldn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great, great piece smashing through the uh, intro uh, and uh, launching the show in style, I think
2: absolutely right this is from the 212 zp on subcode from last year was a vinyl release actually plus digitally via Bandcamp and all the usual download stores essex-based jungle and hardcore label run by lavery and actually you know if you didn't know this was a new tune you would absolutely place it in probably 92 93
1: wouldn't you yeah you would never know it was made uh, last year but um, there's a there's a wealth of this kind of uh, material still getting made and it just shows you the passion that people have for the music back in the early 90s uh, and how it's a sound that people still love to this day.
2: And we certainly do. Really, really excited about the music. As I said, that's coming in this month's show. We've got a special guest along uh, later in the show, uh, Ian Bland from Dream Frequency. Really looking forward to getting him on and uh, hearing some of the stories of the rave years of course we got some of your shouts and all the usual stuff as we do here on timeless so now steve where we're we moving
1: well we are going to go back to the early 90s uh, as you'd expect and uh, kicking off our selection from uh, 1991 on d zone this is toxic and original style Come on. All style that's on D-Zone in 1991 D-Zone one of the top labels of the era with um, kind of harder tracks from the Dance Zone stable uh, run by Andre Jacobs and uh, there was some really cool tunes coming out on D-Zone from the likes of Techno 2 Basics and Greed Um, and you can pick up most of their back catalogue now remastered via their digital Bandcamp page so really worth checking out uh, toxic with Kevin Biver and uh, Marcus Austin. And uh, we were just coming in, weren't we? It was this kind of this harder, angular style of music that was uh, the bridge between the bass breaks, bleep stuff, and then the rave era. Um, but you'd still hear these tunes mixed in with all the rave tracks um, uh, um, in the big events.
2: You would, and it's kind of... If you think about 91, obviously quite a lot of Belgian music was really big on the UK rave scene in 91, and that had quite an angular sort of sound to it as well. And there's definitely a kind of a progression of influences from the late sort of 80s Detroit sound as it moved into Britain and then the the, um, bass and bleeps and then this kind of thing, Belgian's influence coming in and of course by 1992 things were starting to, to change in many other ways weren't they? And of course we discovered that thing called the piano. And I think, Steve, fair to say we're going to hear a little bit of piano on this month's show.
1: Oh, yes, you can't beat a bit of rave piano. Absolutely right.
2: 1992 on FFRR Records, Isotonic. the fizzy orange mix. What a name of everywhere I go from Isotonic on FFRR Edom, part of FFRR 1992. Uh, Isotonic was Chris Paul. If you go on YouTube and listen to some of his music from the late 80s, you would have no clue he was going to make (laughs) banging piano hardcore like this, let me tell you. He was like proper like uh, Johnny Hates jazz sort of pop sort of singing thing I mean obviously he went to a club one night had something and uh, <laughs> and I think he must have turned turned a corner somehow. Yeah, yeah,
1: he, he started making tunes like this.
2: <laughs> but the thing about this kind of tune, right, it's it's like about twenty tunes in one, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I always think that about the rave era. It's um, I think it must have something to do with you know, music. The producers were making tracks for the crowds, and the crowds obviously wanted as many euphoric moments as they could possibly get in one tune. And to do that, the producers had to think, well, let's let's just try and mix it up as much as we can, pack as much as we can into one tune, um, get as many reactions from the crowd as possible, and, and it's going to make them um, like our music. So um, they kind of knew what they were doing, didn't they? They definitely did,
2: and it, and it massively worked for the, uh, for the environment as well, didn't it? You know, that yeah. kind of constant... Um, Break, rise, drop, break, rise, drop. Like, like on a on a cycle. Something every twenty seconds for five minutes. And uh, yeah. and so it goes <laughs> on. Steve, we're gonna go bang up to date again now. What's next?
1: Oh yes, uh, really looking forward to playing this one. Um this is AGT Rave Crew. Now um he he kind of put together a compilation of tracks that were released between two thousand and three and two thousand and eight, put them all together on a uh, on a release uh, that was earlier this month. Um Called Advanced Ganymede Technologies. And this is Jeff Ray 9001. This is
0: Timeless from Tunnel Club.
2: 21 On Vulcan Digital AGT Rave Crew. The track's called Death Ray 9001. And again, Steve packing in everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's that uh, switch it up style that we're so used to with uh, the Rave sound. And um AGT Rave Crew, Joshua Doherty, one half of Electronica at Posthuman, you may have heard of those as well, with his cousin Richard Bevan. And uh, this, the album this is from is just a really great modern take on uh, the, the rave sound. Loads of the typical rave samples that you might expect and synth sounds and everything. So, um, and it, but it's got a really amazing unofficial remix of uh, Dominator by Human Resource as well. So really worth checking that one out.
2: Ah, quality it was really good as well you mentioned it earlier steve during the hyperkinetic track is uh, how much new music of this style is being made and i wonder whether it's all being made by people who were there at the time or whether it's modern interpretations of the original sound or a bit of both
1: yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head with the last comment there. Like, I think there is a, there's definitely an undercurrent of uh, kids who are coming up, producers producing music who probably have parents at our age um, who, who were there at the time, and uh, now they're just picking up on their on the sounds their parents enjoyed and they're uh, turning it into more great music, which is always good.
2: It is always good indeed. It is timeless. You're with ourselves, Tunnel Club. If it's your first time along, welcome to the show. Every month we do this we pick a year we pick a style we pack in as much music over two hours as we can this month it's our rave special with bangers from back in the day and the new stuff all the way 1991 now this is a massive massive record on all around the world tell me you weren't in a field somewhere with hands in the air to this love decade
3: name.
1: Eight, so real on All Around the World in 1991. Now, <clears throat> if you're gonna have a track that really gets you to, to look around you in a crowd and say, Psst dance with me together in harmony, then this is the track, isn't it, G? Oh, honestly, Steve,
2: feel the power, feel it everywhere, so real, so real, so real, you make me feel, yeah, 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 so real, so real, (laughs) so real. I mean, the words are genius. It's basically, right, it's basically, this tune is just like build up to like some the biggest rave moment in your life it builds and builds and builds and builds and, builds and it's kind of whispering in your ear going this is the best moment you're ever gonna have get ready because when it kicks off it's the best moment ever everybody you can see around you they're all your best friends you love it they love you and you've got to show them how much you love them and then it goes boom oh perfect steve <laughs>
1: There's a real momentum with that vocal, isn't there? It's just like, you know, it's all like you're getting on the same bus and everyone's going in the same direction. Oh. And we're just going to have the ride of our lives. And uh, away you go.
2: There was something beautifully innocent about these records, right? Because yeah. they, we, this was 1991. We didn't know what was coming. This was the start of it all. And people were being so innovative with what they were making. People were being so innovative with everything, with where they went, with the clothes they wear, the mates they hung around with, absolutely everything.
1: And, and the, the events that got put together as well. Gee, I mean, like you know, people were just thinking off the scale with this stuff. They were they were like going right, how can we make our event bigger, better? more sexy, more more dynamic, you know, than the, than the one down the road. Because they were trying to draw as many people in as possible, weren't they?
2: Absolutely. It's such an innovative time. We might get a bit carried away talking about it this uh, moment, I reckon, <laughs> Steve. But here's another massive tune from the era which, of course, everybody knows this track. On the brilliant XL Records, another instantly recognised rave anthem bona fide 100% Classic from Liquid. 92 sweet harmony from liquid again steve what an absolute stone cold classic
1: yeah i love that um, inventive use of the sample i mean obviously it's such a, a, a recognizable piano line from cc rogers track someday but um just turning it into something new and uh bringing in the pads really emotive pads and the break beats uh, and and the and the vocal as well is just um absolutely epic track that love it
2: It's Timeless from ourselves tunnel club. It's our rave special. Coming up shortly is our exclusive interview with Ian Bland from Dream Frequency. Looking forward to hearing that. But where are we moving now, Steve?
1: So we're going uh, probably the golden years of rave was '92, but obviously people are still out raving for a good few years after that. And in 1993, um, the house crew, who'd been around for a few years, released the the, um, house production team from Production House Records, um, Floyd Dice behind them, and they released the theme.
2: the theme. Production House Records, Steve, one of those labels where no matter which artist it is, the sound is completely unique, isn't it?
1: Yeah, such um, an inventive um, uh, group of people and uh, Production House Records always on top of the quality in terms of their releases and uh, really enjoyed their stuff over the years. This is no exception.
2: let's get a few of your shouts in as always you've been getting in touch with some of your big tunes uh, where are we? Charlotte McCrory shouted for Moonstomp in the Dead Skinhead mix from Undercover Movement, that's a good tune, not heard that for a while um, Malcolm Henderson had a couple of shouts, Steve Ramirez, La Musica Tremenda. now he was a great artist I don't really associate him with the rave era but absolutely banging tune whilst else we got? Um, Malcolm Henderson as well oh there's another good one skin up blockbuster remember that
1: yeah give us an e
2: please graham <laughs> <laughs> absolutely of the era wasn't it and uh, robert hogg's been in touch Thanks for getting in touch, Robert. Now, Robert has shouted another super recognisable rave tune, a tune which most people probably just know by its label name and the number of the track, and the number of the release, rather. I'm going to fade this down and start it. I want you to count from the first beat and see how many milliseconds it takes you to recognise this tune. Steve, are you ready?
1: Go. All right,
2: here we go, here we go, here we go. Got it yet? (laughs) Of course you have. Edge records number one. DJ Edge compounded.
1: Thanks, Robert Hog, for that one. Um, another stone-cold classic of the era. Um, Gordon Matthewman, obviously, behind this one. And he also recorded his digital domain and razor on uh, the famous Rabbit City records.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Quality record, this one. And again, it was just so different, Steve, wasn't it? There was nothing really like this.
1: Yeah, we uh, I reckon it was probably, you know, 1991, this was like the forerunner of those um, tracks that we would become really used to in 92 um, and uh, it was certainly ahead of its time when when uh, f- we first heard it for sure.
2: Definitely. It's our rave special. You're listening to Timeless from Ourselves Tunnel Club and now we're going to cross over to an interview we recorded with our special guest for this month's show. Absolute rave legends, dream frequency and we were very pleased to welcome Ian Bland from Dream Frequency onto the show.
0: This is Timeless from Tunnel Club.
1: Ian Bland from Dream Frequency, welcome to Timeless. Yo, how's it going, guys? You all right? It's great to have you on the show, Ian. Um, Our rave special um, we're doing this month to have one of the legends of the rave scene from the early 90s on the show, but we'll start at the beginning. So how how did you get into uh, electronic music um, in the first place? So what brought you to the scene?
4: Around sort of mid eighties. So this is just pre-house. I was really bored and it was a uh, I i was working at british aerospace had a good job i was working as an aircraft electrician and whatnot uh, but i was just bored and i thought i'll get a computer and my mate said no don't get a computer i've got this synthesizer we'll we'll form a little band so i went duly down to the music shop got this Casio synthesizer cz101 for on hp and thought, oh my god what have i done here <laughs> started playing around with it absolutely was hooked and then just got a drum machine blah 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 started doing some like Depeche Mode electronic stuff which we we were all into excuse me and then house music came along and then yeah, obviously got right into that sort of '87 at the, at the absolute inception of it all, um, and then my mates who had, had the band they kind of dropped by the wayside because they weren't really feeling it. But I just carried on, and that's how I got into you know making making music. Um, Listen to a ra- various radio stations. Stu Allen Key 103 was pretty influential well ultimately influential for a lot of people in Manchester and around Lancashire so I was even all these like sounds and I heard a guy called Nick Corks come on who set up XL records and he signed us and it yeah it was just it was just one of them sort of slow build stories and yeah it, it's just been a ride ever since really
1: so was it a case of um, you, were, you were making tunes in your in your sort of home studio, and then you were kind of sending these out to people, and just banging on the door, keep banging on the door until you got to somebody.
4: It, it, do you know what? It, probably before house music, we were making like odd demos. Like I say, I mean, think think along the lines of Depeche Mode, Pet Shop Boys, Poor lot, Crapper. <laughs> And then, obviously, you're sending tapes, because that's how long ago it was, um, to these labels, and so was getting a lot of, like, no, not, you know, no, 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 not what we're looking for, blah, blah, blah. And then with Nick, I literally heard him on Radio Lancashire. There was a show with a guy called Gary Hickson and he had a dance show, and Nick must've just been doing the rounds up here. And he said, yeah, I'm setting up this label, XL Records, um, City Beat, you know, and I sent him the tape, um, and I think I'd sent him about three or four tapes, and he was like, he actually rang me up, and I couldn't believe that he'd actually rang me up and sort of said, yeah, it's not what we're looking for, but keep keep sending them in, which was really encouraging. And so obviously upping the game, upping the game, and then I sent him this one track, called live the dream and i remember it was an odd conversation me on a paid phone in british aerospace aircraft hangar putting the two peas in looking to see if my foreman was going to catch me on the phone when like i meant to be working <coughs> folded excel records up and I said to Nick, oh, have you have you heard my, you know, me, my latest What I've sent you? And he went, yeah, yeah. This is my neat impression of Nick. Yeah, yeah, I have, uh, I have yeah, and I quite like it. And then he asked me this really weird question. I did pull him about this on an interview I did with him. And he goes, uh, he just turned the tables and he went, well, what do you want me to, what, what do you want me to do with it? I was just like really green, I just went, uh, sign it, and he went, Yeah, I'll sign it. I know, honestly, um, and and obviously I got signed. It was a £1,000 advance, which was a lot of money back then. And I think it made the top 100, but it was just the fact that I came off the phone going, oh, my God, I've got a record deal, you know, even though it was a one single deal. So that was it, really. So I've done about knocking on the door. It kind of was, but it wasn't like maybe you know subsequently after that for a lot of artists where they're literally sending to all these labels i think i just got lucky but then when you think about it you kind of make your own look
2: and at that point were were, were you out clubbing was the were the influences coming from the clinic clubbing world or was it music you were hearing on the radio or you're buying at record shops where was the, the influence on your sound coming from at that point
4: um <laughs> Hundred percent I was absolutely living it. It was like, you know, all encompassing. We were going to all the Blackburn parties. You know, there was a club down the road from me called the Park Park Hall, which you might you probably not never heard of, but at the time it was for us it was Hacienda, Friday or Saturday, Park Hall. If you ask anybody around sort of eighty-seven to sort of ninety-one particularly the early days for us it was just educational and then like i said the likes of Stu allen and they were all my influences and it literally would be going out clubbing coming back and then you know brew times at british aerospace just sat there me with my headphones on and um yeah just listening to all these tunes i remember i mean you know I, it's weird i can remember hearing lfo by lfo on the first you know the first time i ever heard it was in in the brew pen at british aerospace you know at like nine o'clock going oh my god what a tune!" so all they they were
2: like all my influences and all the house sounds of you know, Chicago and Detroit. So so it's one thing going from your first signing and, you know, it's dead exciting and you're at clubbing it. But things really went to an entirely different level for you, didn't they, pretty quickly?
4: Yeah, when I look back, it felt, I can only compare it with like going to secondary school where at the time it fe- it felt like you may be there for that five years maybe at secondary school it just felt like 20 years compared with when you're looking back five years now in your life it did feel like that you know that sort of two-year period from maybe getting signed in 1990 on the first record then I delivered a track called Love, Peace and Harmony because I've been listening to things like Soul to Soul so I did like a slower down-tempo track um, and a girl I was looking for a singer at the time and a girl who sadly passed away recently, Denise Johnson she sang on it, she was recommended to me and um, she went on to sing for Primal Scream amongst a lot of other people and then um, I remember Nick Hawkes who signed us and his boss, Tim Palmer heard that record, and sent it in and they hadn't had a hit record, City Beat and XL, and they heard this record and went, oh my God, we think it's amazing, blah blah Gave us an album deal off the back of that, so that would have been about 91. And then the track, I think it was gonna chart, and Steve Wright was playing it on Radio One at the time. And then the Gulf War came out, and because it was called Love, Peace, and Harmony, they banned it because we were at war. Which is just yeah, honestly, you are yeah. So I was kind of thinking, oh, right, you know, that could have been my chance. Not that I was actually looking for hit records or anything like that. It was just to try and be as as good as you could be. And then off the back of that, I obviously did an album and I was also doing live gigs with Dream Frequency. And it was about the time where I was probably earning as much money doing the live gigs as working at Aerospace. So I literally took all my holidays and thought, right, well, I've got an album deal. I'm just gonna take the plunge. And then I I packed the job in basically. Um, And then shortly after that, yeah, we, we brought with we Feel surreal and, and got lucky with that really. Which is another weird story, um, because it was going to be released in, uh, I think it was going to be released in December, and I, I attended the cup for Feel So Real, and I was saying oh, it needs a bit more bass in it, and then when the test pressings came back, they were too basic, which delayed it to January, and because it delayed it to January, it enabled us to chart because there was less competition. So then you got Top of the Pops blah the blah. So, yeah, it's a weird it's
1: a weird journey. But
4: yeah, at that time, we were absolutely flying. We were living it,
1: living it. Nearly made uh, top 20, didn't it? Uh, I think it was 20, 23, actually, in the UK charts, that one, in.
4: Like I say, you know, I never started making music genuinely to, to sort of go, yeah, I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to be on Top of the Pops and none of that. But because you'd grown up with Top of the Pops, all your life you're always you know you're thinking bloody hell you know you never know and I remember we've done it we've done a gig, Bogner Regis <laughs> or somewhere like that and we were driving back it was like Easter no it would, no it would have been Christmas it have been Christmas time and I think Feels Surreal had got in the charts at like 29 um, and then we were listening to it we were in two cars and we're going through these like country roads near Bognor Regis on the way home or wherever and we were but we were all listening to the charts going down the top 40 so it must have been a sunday night and um it was like 28 27 26 and you're thinking oh shit, it's dropped out it's dropped out and then he got to like 23 and he goes dream frequency we were like <laughs> like pumping the order and all that and then on monday the record company rang us up and said, oh yeah, Top of the Pops have said they, they wanted to have you on. So yeah, we, we, we did that, which was a bizarre experience, but yeah, it was good.
1: So those tunes in uh, in 92, it, they, they must have led you to be like pa all over the country um what's what was it like to be on the road like just playing the music that you loved and what sort of atmospheres did you feel that year it must have been i mean it was a huge year for a rave
4: absolutely because not for me i mean everybody's got their favorite year of dance music but for me it was 92 just because just on a musical level it was just before hardcore so you were getting tracks like DJ Seduction, Prodigy, obviously ourselves. Morby was was breaking, but it wasn't going stupidly fast. It was all in a sort of you know maybe to maximum one three eight to sort of you know, uh, and it was it was just a golden time. Frank the who you've had on you know all them tunes, and it's some of the atmospheres you know when you look back, and obviously tablets were working and all that jazz. You literally. You you did a track, and a piano drop happened, and you've seen the videos, I mean, yeah, you know, there's um, there's a famous one going around that's been doing the rounds for about a year now, where the difference between 2000 and, you know, 19, and, you know, that one where Quadrant Park, and, you know, and it literally was like that, it was, oh man, it was unreal. You drop a piano track, or a big moment, and the crowd were just going mental. You, I, you, seriously if you filmed it you couldn't You couldn't put that energy into words and um, we were gigging Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week for at least two, two years solid, at least and then some occasionally maybe a, a Thursday night here and there
2: And you mentioned about the piano there and there's something about that sound, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the oldest instruments going, you know, it's featured for hundreds of years. But what is it about the piano which does that?
4: I don't know. I don't know. It's a crazy one, isn't it? I, I sometimes try and think about that. Is it? Is it certain frequencies or is it something about it that, yeah, at that time, strings and pianos, whether it just resonated with the body and whatever you took or not even took, just the atmosphere of that particular that drop, that release, that breakdown where people just had a voice and just went, whoa, and it just wasn't even about, you know, it wasn't about superstar DJs then anymore. You know, nobody even looked at the DJ to be fair. I mean, obviously they knew and respected people like you e. Carl Coxes and all that, but nobody was, you know, I know I didn't as a, as a punter, I never really went, you know, like, like nowadays where it, it's, you know, Superstar DJs and all the rest, and people are just like with the phones, just watching what he's doing. It wasn't about that. It was about the collective. It wasn't about the individual. And when we were pa even, it wasn't we, like we were some stars or anything, or no, we weren't. It was, it was us and a collective, and it was that coming together all in the venue, one sort of thing. I know it sounds really hippie, but that's what it was, you know.
1: Well, I think we can uh, we can kind of vouch for being in those crowds and, and being part of that atmosphere. And I think that, you know, what you've just described is like, that really resonates with me because it was all about like being together with a load of like-minded people who were, who were all doing the same thing. Yeah. But really enjoying the music. Um, and it was all about the music. There was never... You know you could have one kid with, with a with loads of posh clobber on standing next to another kid who just looks like a tramp but they don't care because they're just like into the music and they're both into the music yeah and that, that yeah. was the that was the real sort of deal breaker with rave wasn't it
4: of course it was i mean i mean you know i mean it, it, it's um it's the hot topic at the moment isn't it bloody inclusivity and diversity i think i think we wrote the book without even knowing it because it wasn't even mentioned, was it? It was literally all about the music. It, it didn't matter your color, your sexuality, what you look like, it just didn't matter. You didn't even see it. It was just all about going in that room and just escaping and just, just having a good time. That's all it was about.
1: She was just asking about the pianos there, but obviously another part of Rave was the vocals. Yeah. Um and obviously a big part of your sound at the time was uh, Debbie Sharp. How did yeah. you how did you get to work with her?
4: Um well, around sort of ninety one, just backtracking to when when they gave us an album deal, I knew I had to find a singer, so I'd used Denise, she didn't want to really go down the dance music route, so that was an all goer. <clears throat> I tried a few singers on a couple of demos, uh, Nick didn't really like the tracks, and then the parkour nightclub that we used to go every Thursday. One of the um, the guys who ran the night, he said, oh, I've had this um, band on the week before called uh, Debbie Sharp, and I think it was a Creations or something, and they got this track called uh, Pay the Price. He said, oh, she's a really good singer. You know, I've got a number if you want to contact her. She's in Ipswich, and, like, she's American and whatever. So I remember ringing her up. And um, yeah, you know, we got on instantly and she drove up in a car and, um, you know, laid down some tracks Um, and funnily enough, the demos that I'd put down, I'd done about four demos. And at that time I had to record my vocals in a a local studio, because I didn't have vocal recording uh, facilities in in my house at the time. Um, And even with Debbie's vocals on, Nick, he said, um, the A&R guy, Nick Holtz, he goes, not really feeling to me. And I was just like, oh shit. Because like you're spending, you know, they'll give you half the advance. I packed British Aerospace in. And I was like, oh my God. But I got her to do some uh, ad-libs in between the songs that I'd written. And like for Feel Surreal, there was a song that we kind of dissected that out of an original song. So I said to her, just sing, I don't know, You Make Me Feel Surreal. So, so she sang that line. And then when nick said he didn't like it i took all the lyrics back took the track back completely reworked it and used that as the chorus so that's that's how that came about and with take me was very similar so i just got debbie to sing loads of stuff took it back and then kind of played around with it till it all worked but yeah i just i just met debbie literally you know the guy gave me a contact and that was it and you know Obviously, I still speak to Debbie now. She's back in the States and whatnot. But yeah, you know, life, lifelong uh, friends and everything. She's crazy, Debbie. It just clicked me because she's just got this persona on stage. She could literally just walk on. And, you know, me behind the keyboards, if there's a big crowd or you're a bit nervous, she just owned the place.
2: She just had a it out of the palm of her hands in a couple of minutes. And you briefly touched on Take Me there, of course, one of the biggest euphoric anthems probably ever really from from our era wasn't it when you were when you were in the studio working on that track did you have a dial which said euphoric level which you just pushed past the 10 mark to (laughs) 12 and 15 see how far you could get it because i could i could tell you i remember seeing you guys playing at at, um bowlers in manchester yeah Yeah. in that that, and and you can Uh remember how big that place! And many of our listeners will have been at Bowlers. Yeah, And massive awesome hangar of a building. That track comes on, and it's like it's 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 unbelievable. I can't even describe the euphoria. How do you get that into a track?
4: Oh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I mean, I, <clears throat> it's it's. And maybe at the time, you know, it's it's just the vibe we were all on. It was just like, you know rave on steroids, I mean got kind of touching on to, to the album of what I've just done it was weird revisiting and trying to get that, I know I'm it off a bit but I'm, I'm sort of bringing Take Me To The Now it's like I was looking back thinking, how do you recreate that energy, what you've just described? Um, and I remember talking to my mate Rob Tissera and a few other people, but I know Rob said, listen, you need for this album we've just done, needs to be rave on steroids. And I thought, that's that is it in a nutshell and yeah at the time i think that's what we were making it wasn't it, it wasn't about at that time definitely for dream things it wasn't about being cool and just making grooves it was just about bang bringing the party bang and that's, i guess that was all encapsulated into that
1: record so you went on to do um, some other sounds, didn't you? Like you, you, you're in trance at the end of the '90s with Quake, um, and you had uh, Dancing Divas as well yeah. on, on the sort of the houseier side of things. What, yeah. what, what kind of made you bring the Dream Frequency brand back? What was it that kind of uh, um, lit that spark again? It was pretty simple, really.
4: Um, I mean, all the way through, you know, from sort of '92. I say we probably finished properly. Well, I think the last record we released was about '94 in anger, you know, and you know, obviously we're still doing the PA's, but it was just. It was just like doing your big tunes, some other PA tracks, and that—that that was it. You know, like old school reunions. That's what it was. So fast forward to sort of last year, and I've always shied away from doing any dream frequency stuff because it was a bit of the pressure of re- you know reliving that and and doing the justice to what we did further now and all the rest of it and I, re- I was sat in this very studio and um, there was a guy Mark Pickup who was do- producing a track for and I was having a bit of a moan sort of saying oh, I'm doing all this new sort of house stuff and it's, it's bloody hard work because you know nobody wants and he goes Blandy you'll be doing Dream Frequency till you pop your clogs why don't you just do a Dream Frequency album or something and then I thought bloody hell it's 30 years and it all just kind of clicked into the place and I was <laughs> like right i'm gonna do it or i'm gonna have a go at it but the first sort of two or three tracks it was really like oh wow but then once the shackles were off and you could just sit down and go i'm just gonna make what i want to make on the rave set for the now something that's classic dream things is something that transcends it blah 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 it got to about literally guys it got to about 20 tracks and i thought I better stop now because I could just keep going because it was so much fun as well um so yeah and it was you know we, we remixed take me we remix feel surreal from scratch um I did that with a with Rob Sarah and her, another guy Kev K sixty nine just for their another person's take on it. But it was fun like recreating all the sounds from scratch and it was like revisiting what you'd done sort of thirty years ago plus all the new tracks. So yeah, it was it, it's been fun. It's been really fun and um yeah, I, I just wanna keep doing it to be honest now.
1: Well it could be the the sound for now if you think about it. I mean I'm what I'm really looking forward to this year is potentially getting back out and and having a bit of a rave up and i just think like you know there's there's just going to be this big stream of energy that gets released again once people are able to go out yeah and you're gonna have the sound for it aren't you like you've you've got this new stuff you're gonna get out on the road again and it's just gonna be you know it's almost the, the time for it isn't it
4: Oh, mate, I mean, we, we were gutted, obviously, you know, we know it is what it is with, with the virus and whatnot, but we were gutted because we had, like, new stage show, whole new album, we had some festivals booked, we had gigs booked all over the place, and then it's all been on hold like everybody else, so I can't wait to just get out there. But, you know, on a positive tip, even you know sort of front-end bands like salado they've just done a complete rave track it's i think maybe it's the sound of lockdown as in i don't think you really want to be listening to deep tech house well maybe you do but it's not exactly like uplifting when you're all sort of locked down 24 7. you want to you do want something that's a bit more musical and uh, I, I especially noticed there's a lot of new tracks now coming that are definitely rave vibed so, yeah, you're right. I, I hope it is the sounds for, for this year, you know,
2: and I hope we can get back out again in, in anger. You kind of touched on it a little bit there. What do you think the everlasting allure of the early 90s or early to mid 90s sound scene style is? Because it kind of refuses to give up, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, it does encompass a lot of styles, but I think maybe there's just that... Peak time of, of the scene, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't brilliant nights now, but it it, it was It was sort of still a bit raw it was still new it was fresh and um, You know whether you like it or not or you agree or not People were taking things that that made it even more You know happy and they were better as well at the time and I, I just think it was um it just encapsulated a lot of energy and I think in, a, in an age where maybe it is a little bit corporate and it is a bit disposable that the allure of that scene and you know what what we experienced people want a
1: piece of that well you've you've done a good job like updating that sound um, and you had massive success with the Kickstarter for uh, 30 the original Ravers album and um, a lot of people missed out on it though ian so is, what's what's happening with that is uh there going to be any digital release of that um,
4: yeah well i mean it, obviously I've, fin- I've finished the album and me being the absolute rubbish marketeer that i am because like i say i, I literally guys i just do the music and then i'm like uh, uh there there it is and then we actually somebody somebody suggested uh, the kickstarter to me and then I've got to thank me my wife as well you know she put art and soul into it and and it, it, it was just brilliant that you know we did a lot of videos and we it was it wasn't just sort of selling the kickstarter thing it was just also celebrating all the stories all the scene and everything so I, i'm thanking everybody for the Kickstarter. i really you know i'm gutted for the ones that missed it because i do get it you know people either didn't have money at the time or you're, you look at it until you see that product you kind of Oh, well, I'll wait till it comes out. And I do get all that. So for those who missed out, it is 100% coming out everywhere in March. Around March the 5th, it's going to be everywhere. Um, I've got um, Glory Days is going to be released off of the first single. That's going to be in February. Um, And fingers crossed, I've just got a slip map remix on that. And then we're going to be remixing tracks off the album. We might have a few physical packages left um but that'll be you know in due course not many though so it it answers your question it's going to be march but it will be you know 100 release so everybody can can have a listen and get their hands on it but the kickstart was mainly set up just to do justice to the album you know just to have something tangible and physical and um it did it you know i'll tell you what it was hard work but it was great to just interview all the people we'd work with a lot of memories and just actually have something physical to celebrate it rather than just putting it online and it's just in the ether you know it was a tangible thing like
1: I think it's a great thing to do, we um, we are massive champions of physical releases, there's yeah. nothing better than pulling out your 12 inch from your yeah. rack and slapping it on the platter and, and lifting the needle onto the record, it's like that physical experience of the music is, is, is really important so it's 100% the right thing to do um, and, and you know judging by how much your uh, vinyl release is going for on uh, Discogs, you oh. you kind of... It's kind Kind of sought after already i don't know whether you know but it's uh in three figures on uh, on
4: discogs yeah i saw that i mean that is pretty crazy I, you know i i, I shared it um, a few days ago like tong in cheek you know but i was just like you know just laughing really but um yeah it's it's, it's crazy that, it, that some guys put it on there I don't know if anybody would buy it for that but you never know do you but yeah, you know, like you say, that it's just—it's just, you know. I mean, I've got my album—you can't see it that out of shot. I've got the album and a book up there. And for me, it was always about—I know it's a weird one—but even smelling it, smelling the the cardboard and the vinyl, and getting it out and all that. Even if you never play it, and you put it on the wall, and you just look at it now and again. I don't know if it's a bloke predominantly blokes things collecting train sets and stamps and vinyl. I don't know what it is about collecting, but yeah, definitely. So About it. Music is the answer. I think it, you know, it always has been for me. Um, So, yeah, whatever is your escape, get into that. That's my advice.
0: Is timeless from Tunnel Club.
2: Huge thanks go to Ian Bland from Dream Frequency, our guest on the show. Absolute legend, Steve.
1: Yeah, and still making the music. I think he's gone back to his passion, gone back to rave uh, and the and the thirty, the original rave of Ravers album out in March on uh, on digital. So looking forward to hearing what else is on the album. You can hear in the background Glory Days from the um, from the album. Yeah, yeah
2: absolute banger the tracks you heard through the interview live the dream love peace and harmony feel so real moog addiction take me euphoria satisfaction and this track glory date i really really enjoyed chatting to ian and the passion that he's obviously still got for the music and the passion for the scene and everything around it and he just he's just infectious in his buzz about it all steve absolute ledge
1: It was really great to chat to Ian Many thanks for coming on the show Um, Really enjoyed it
2: Thank you Ian Really enjoyed that We've had a good few uh, people on the show now Over the last couple of years Steve But I think the last uh, rave show we did We had uh, Enjoy on didn't we So uh, yeah. nice to get another legend on I wonder who we'll get on next time It's Timeless from our cell, Tunnel Club It's our rave special We've got stacks more tunes Still to come before the end of the show But we will be right back directly
0: after this Playing over 30 years Of dance and electronic music Covering every side of the Dance Music Spectrum This is Timeless Radio from Tunnel Club.
1: You're listening to Timeless from ourselves, Tunnel Club, and it's back to our rave special now with another massive track. This is Timeless.
2: inc ecstatic final solution 1990 and definitely steve the remnants of the uh bass and uh, bleep sound in that one isn't it
1: yeah definitely another forerunner and bridging sort of track into the rave era um and, and sampling a uh, massive chunk of orbital classic chime on that one as well
2: yeah you basically could shamelessly sample anything you fancy <laughs> without any issue whatsoever back in those days. Imagine that now.
1: Yeah, I I think it was probably because there were so many people going to the raves and so many people into dance music that you could probably sell 20, 30,000 copies of a 12-inch and not get anywhere near the charts still um, and and kind of stay under the radar. So no one was really asked about whether you get tracked down for nicking a sample or or not, were they really?
2: Yeah, it's correct. And of course, this was uh, before Bizarre Inc got into the kind of uh, charts sort of zone wasn't it but I'm sure we'll play that particular knife related track on a future show (laughs) (laughs) alright here we go pushing the tempo now as we move two years sorry three years forwards to 1993 and to the huge label slamming final. hardcore was definitely definitely in effect by this point DJ Red alert and Mike slammer On slamming vinyl in effect from dj red alert and mike slammer steve is there anything not in this tune it does everything <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you would just say really you like there's there's possibly a checklist that they had before they started making this track and then they just went ticking it off one by one by one um, and uh, yeah it just switches up so many times it's it's uh, superb
2: it's like uplifting bit yeah really hard bit yeah pianoy bit yeah yeah bit samples yeah bit. boom we got yep. we got a track oh it's brilliant a huge breakbeat hardcore uh, from grant smith and paul rooney um on their on their own label actually based out in north london or was it essex certainly around there that edge of the world really very distinctive style of sort of 93 moving towards 94 Uh, Kind of pre-jungle, Steve
1: Yeah, it's even got that sort of bad boy Sort of sample, hasn't it, in it And uh, it's kind of moving towards that sort of darker jungle sound
2: Absolutely love it It's Timeless from Tunnel Club It's our rave special And we're going to rewind one year now Back to 1992 on Delirious Records Another huge track from the Moog. (laughs)
1: MDMA Ecstasy and an MDMA Ecstasy mdma Ecstasy MDMA warned today of the unprecedented threat posed by the drug ecstasy. Shower on Delirious in 1992. The mood was Andrew Bright, active since uh, 1991. releases uh, originally on uh, Chill Records before setting up Delirious Records. And another label, Beehive, with Neil Baker. No pretenses really, gee, with this track, is there, referencing, uh, of course, the drug angle of the, of the scene. the uh, one uh, um and having a bit of fun with it, I dare say. Not exactly hiding it, is it?
3: <laughs>
2: now, one of the biggest, well, one of the biggest dance music acts ever, actually, but certainly one of the biggest dance music acts to emerge from this era are, of course, The Prodigy. So it made sense to try and fit something in from The Prodigy, I think. And this track from their debut album in '92, the project Experience, Hyperspeed, G-Force, Part 2. records from 92, the Prodigy Hyper Speed. And Steve, we spoke earlier on about how recognisable certain artists and certain labels were. I think nobody, absolutely nobody was as recognisable as what the Prodigy were doing right back at the
1: start. Yeah, Liam with his great uh, beats, they're uh, totally recognisable from the Prodigy sound, aren't they? And he always had a unique way of putting tracks together. He just knew it was a Prodigy track. Yeah, absolutely right. The, and the production quality was
2: miles better than most things at the time. Just listening to this track now and thinking this was 29 years ago Steve 29 years ago and everything about it is just perfect, you know the balance the mix, the mastering, everything brilliant Time for one of your shouts again now and we're heading to Tom Martin thank you for getting in touch Tom with a darn fine recommendation, if I do say so myself. (laughs) records 1993 electronic experience the tracks called no 303 thank you tom martin for giving us a shout for this tune here's what tom had to say about it the rave siren the stabs the breakbeats the 4-4 the acid the belgian hoovers fusion universe obsession so many tunes being of a certain generation this is a favorite
1: I think you described it quite well there, G.
2: <laughs> Absolutely spot on that one, Tom. Absolutely spot on indeed. Alex Reese actually, and Ron Wells. You wouldn't think Alex, Alex Reese would be behind this, but you can kind of, I guess you can detect what was coming from, from the beats and it. certainly from him. It's Timeless From Ourselves, Tunnel Club. It's our rave special. Next month, by the way, we're going to be sticking around this kind of era. Uh, and the show's going to be 1991 we always get asked about 91 and there's so much tunes from 91 so uh, we're going to be another another 91 show then but we're going to move on now Steve where are we going next
1: so for the year to 1992 on Logic Records, and uh, one of our favourite acts from the era, Shot and Dance, and uh, they had alter egos, you may remember, called Rum and Black, so the same um, duo, PJ and Smiley, and uh, one of their most famous tracks, Green Man, now Rum and Black did a remix of the track and uh, this is the one we're going to play you. This is Timeless from
0: Tunnel Club.
2: and dance on Logic 1992 the track's called Green Man the rum and black mix quality music as always these were another reliable duo Steve
1: yeah so inventive I mean the original Green Man is a great track but this uh, remix just takes it up a notch and i uh, oh. The, the original and this remix feature the string sample from the Last Emperor soundtrack um, by Rei... I don't know whether I can say this. Reichu Takamoto. Well done. Thank you.
2: Let's move forwards now to 93. On DJ Only Records. Bass Selective. 93 on dj only records jessica's law from bass selective Base uh, bass selective probably steve fitter known for blowout really blowout part two um, but this uh, this track on dj only they did four tracks on or the, rather that label did four releases and then they renamed themselves the sound of the underground in late 93 and did a whole stack more releases again quality early 90s hardcore steve
1: brilliant tune this and uh, like you say it's, it's it's very different in style from blowout 2 which is obviously the the track that they're more well known for like you say but um this is a this is a barnstormer too
2: it is that now we played a couple of tracks earlier in the show from uh, from the last year or so and now steve we're going to he- rewind just just a couple of years back but to another person who's an absolute legend of the scene
1: yeah, we've got Mark Clare, uh, obviously from Four Hero, better known in his uh, hardcore raves moniker as Manix. And uh, in 2018, he released a new album, Hypnosis, and this is Join the Future. the future and uh, you could quite easily be back in 92, 93 listening to this tune Um, but this was out uh, in 2018 from the album Hypnosis Um, really worth checking that album out listeners if you enjoyed Manic's back in the day still making great music um, and in, in the last couple of years, and uh, strangely enough, with Madix, he released lots of EPs in the early '90s, but the first album he made wasn't until 2013. So, um, and this one followed five years later.
2: Uh, absolute quality, Steve. Back to '92 now, and another one of your shouts. Thank you, Stephen Drake, for getting in touch with this track on network records. And a different mix of this you might not know. It's Rhythm Quest, closer to all your dreams, the truly happy mix.
0: This is Timeless from Tunnel Club.
2: great thing Steve about doing this show is you think you know all the tunes and then somebody suggests something you've never heard and I've never heard this mix of this ever
1: no and uh, Stephen says himself he says tough choice for a track suggestion I love the original version of this but I think for me the truly happy mix captures what rave sounds like can't argue with that um, Stephen and uh, everyone knows the classic Uh, original version of this so it's nice to hear something uh, a bit different yeah closer to all your
2: dreams was an absolute monster of a tune as well wasn't it we have got just one track to go on this month's timeless show hope you've enjoyed it i love doing these rave specials i think we should just do this every month steve (laughs)
1: It's certainly enough ammunition out there, isn't there, to to carry on the rave and a torch and carry the rave torch forever and a day. Um, But I'm sure we'll revisit it again in the future.
2: We definitely will do that. Back to 91 next month, so I'm pretty sure we can slide in quite a bit of rave into that one as well. But it's time for our final track, and we usually end our our show on a bit of a chilled number, but we're just not going to do that this month. Because this track is basically everything that is good about Rave. We had them on the show in our last Rave special a couple of years back. On Deconstruction Records from 1990, needing no introduction. Enjoy. (gasps) course 1990 on deconstruction closing proceedings for another month here on timeless it's been our rave special hope you've enjoyed it i've absolutely loved piling through the big rave tune huge thanks again to ian bland from dream frequency we really enjoyed having you on the show ian so feel free to drop by anytime. steve 91 next month you got some tricks lined up for that ready
1: oh yes yeah. Uh, always thinking what we can uh, pull out of the record bag for that one and uh, it's a great another great year isn't it 91 and I'm sure we'll enjoy that one just as much um, enjoy a th- suitable way to bail out. Just to say, listeners, if you've never got to experience the power and energy of uh, of the glory days of rave, then just hop on YouTube and check out the video of Quadrant Park going berserk to this track. It's about as close as you can get to the atmosphere without actually being there. Oh, I'd love to go back to it, Steve, with you. Oh yeah, mate.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's all for 100%. this month. Oh absolutely. But that's all for this month. We are Tunnel Club. My name's Graham. I'll catch you later.
1: And I'm Steve over and out.